Hey folks, it's Yannick Guzdala. It's the Yannick Guzdala podcast right at the top of the show here. Tour dates coming up September 7th. I'll be here in Los Angeles at the Baked Potato. We haven't done the gig in a few months. Everyone's been running around and otherwise engaged. Be there with Bob Reynolds, also October 12th. I have a bunch of stuff coming up in Hong Kong and Shanghai and Beijing. I don't have a full schedule for that yet, but that will be announced very soon. Um, That is a sideman trip. That's in October, middle of October. And then with my band, plus some solo clinics in the UK, first, second week of November, November 4th, doing a masterclass down at Absolute Music in Bournemouth, 3 to 5.30 p.m. Uh, Got a masterclass at the Peter Express November 6th in Soho, 2 to 4.30 p.m. Same night is opening night with the trio with Cliff and Tom, November 6th, Peter Express, 8 to 10 p.m. All of these are on sale right now, by the way. Tickets are at my website on the tour page, yanagwizdala.com. Is that forward slash tour? That would make the most sense, right? I don't know. It's at the website. Go click on the tour tab on the top of the on the top of the page. Um, November seventh, that's back to back nights at the Pizza Express Jazz Club in Soho. November seventh will be night two. Um, then we get up early and run up to Nottingham, giving another solo masterclass three to five thirty p.m. at Peggy's Skylight. Same venue, uh, same day, November eighth. We'll also play with the trio. So only three shows with a trio and three solo clinics for that trip. And then we'll have more stuff coming in 2024 as the album sort of comes out and or rather is out and hopefully gains some momentum. October 17th is the release date of the new album. We are deep in the mix process. We have a release schedule for three singles. I'm going to be putting three singles that we also filmed additional footage specifically for. So they'll be released on YouTube leading up to the October 17th uh, release of the album. And I think they're sort of staggered at 10 days. So it's like October 7th and September 27th and September 17th. I want to say those are the three days that the three singles are coming out. We are mixing them right now and back and forth with Juan Pablo every day, uh, talking about bass sounds and references and where we want to go and how we want to do it. And I think there are some things that are really different on the album and even just from each other, never mind different from stuff I've done in the past. And some of them involve sequences and synths and programming and others are completely like acoustic, as acoustic as you can get with an electric bass. But you know what I mean? So it's a really wide range of stuff that we have to make uh, kind of cohesive. And that is what we are in the middle of right now. It is no easy feat. Uh, and it is why the podcast is delayed like a motherfucker. <laughs> it's why I haven't been on track with that. It's why I haven't been posting to YouTube. Not so much on the Substack. It is, uh, it's a lot of work. And you factor in the kiddo and the family and everything else that's going on. It has made me do a lot of thinking in the past couple of weeks and we shall touch upon that in this episode and just uh, sort of bringing it into focus well more questions than answers unfortunately and I say unfortunately because I, I actually like questions and I don't need them all answered I just sort of like it when they lead to more questions and go further down the rabbit hole of discovery uh, but unfortunately, in the sense that it's a really massive part of my life and it's not something that's just a hobby or something I can put on the back burner and be like, oh, well, well let's see what happens with that. No, it's actually quite serious. And it's serious in terms of how I make a living and how I continue being a musician, being involved in music full time. 
and when I look at some of the things I'm doing in music right now, some of them are some of them don't make me so happy, some of them don't have the sorts of results that would that help the cause, shall we say, in terms of really basic terms of just making money and surviving. Um, so I have to, I've had to re reevaluate some of the things I'm doing in in those terms in the past couple of weeks. And while I've been doing it, and you know, probably what this podcast will end up being titled is to do with um, the sort of musical love letter uh, I just wrote to my wife to Chelsea. It was our fourth wedding anniversary last week, and the two weeks leading up to that, basically the entire time from when I got back from Argentina until our wedding anniversary, uh, I was I was working on this song. I, I rearranged the Maroon 5 song, She Will Be Loved, um, because that's the song we got engaged to five years ago this week on stage with James and Adam and the band in Denver. I surprised Chelsea, and we, we went out to see a show. I think we were both busy when when the band played in LA and also just like it's the worst no matter whether you're Maroon 5 and you're playing at the Hollywood Bowl or whether you're a jazz trio or something like playing in New York and LA and London like a few big cities around the world it's always rough going as a guest rougher going as a guest even when you're like on the super inner circle and you like very close friends with people like big cities record labels and all kinds of other people uh, like just absolutely crush the guest list and the comp tickets. So it's always more stressful being in that orbit in a major city. So I was actually quite glad we were both busy when the band played in LA. I think it would have been kind of a little hectic. And it meant we got to get out of town. We went to Denver, which we, which we both love. We love being in Colorado. And we got to take a little trip and it was like, under no circumstances are we getting engaged this weekend. That's what I said to her. Because <laughs> we've been talking about it, obviously, and, you know, sort of figured out the ring and done all this stuff. But I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to get your hopes up. Uh, you know, I know that's very romantic. But this weekend, let's just go this weekend. Let's have fun and um, do our thing and sort of shut off. We've both been working super hard. Uh, let's just go have fun and see our friends and see James, see the band and everyone and, and hang out in Denver and James's lady is from there and so it's it's just a really nice trip. You know, I think James's brother was in town as well if I remember rightly. So it was just kind of nice friends hanging out, having lunch, just just cruising around. Really cool. Uh little did she know that I was like frantically like behind the scenes making all these plans and and trying to get this thing to happen and James had suggested it. We were playing tennis like some weeks or maybe even a couple of months before and he said, "Well, why don't you just come on stage?" come to a show and come on stage and do it with me and Adam. I was like, uh, okay. So he texted Adam and Adam's like, yeah, well, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's on. That all happened in like a few minutes. Like he suggested it. I was like, okay, that'd be fun. He texted Adam and then it was like, it was a done deal within like five minutes. Um, but then like just figuring out how to do it, picking the location. Um, it was it, it was it was a lot of like a lot of behind the actually the most stressful part was was trying to appear not to be stressed and trying to hide everything and like secret the ring you know like getting I would already had it delivered to a friend I think I actually I think I had it delivered to James so that it wouldn't show up at the house and then he had given it to me and then I, I you know I had to walk around with it the whole day not in a box because I was just wearing jeans and a shirt or something as you'll see in the video it was like 
I think it was, yeah, it was like September. It wasn't that cold. It was just jeans and a shirt day. So I was walking around with a phone and a wallet and this ring just randomly sitting in my pocket in no case or anything. So it was, there were little, little stressful things I had to hide. And then, so actually, I don't know how we got here. I was just talking about the engagement and, and the love letter that essentially that I wrote. So yeah, so, oh, to explain that, we got engaged in the end um, with James and Adam playing She Will Be Loved. They did it in this, they come down the front of the stage, do this little acoustic thing. And um, the rest of the band takes a pause and it's just James and Adam. By the way, this whole thing, I've just posted it. Um, you can see the whole thing, the engagement and the song I'm about to talk to, uh, talk about rather. Um, because what I ended up doing was getting the video footage from the band's videographer, from Travis and really nice high quality stuff. You know, he's right in the audience shooting it from below. It was super cool to get that, um, get that footage from him. I was like, oh, I want to do something cool with this. And I don't just want to like give her the footage. You know, I think, we, I think I'd actually shown it to her or something uh, maybe a year ago. I've had it for maybe a year. I was like, I want to do something special with it. So I rearranged the tune and um, reharmonized it, different tempo. I think we was up at 121, like way faster than the record. And I hadn't taken note of James's tempo, his like solo acoustic guitar part from the show. And it ended up being exactly 121 BPM. So that was kind of crazy. So you're here where he's playing She Will Be Loved in Denver in 2018 dovetails perfectly into my arrangement that I wrote, you know, six, seven weeks ago before I went to Argentina. And we got, I, I just, I'm so overwhelmed by the support of, of all of our friends. You know, the, the, the main focus was to get as many of Chelsea's, like the most important musical friends and family from her life involved. And of course, it, it, there could have been 20 more with, with a project like this. Just finding space for people in the arrangement was a, was a massive challenge and you know, people's schedules lining up. I'm amazed that we got the people we did. Um, James was kind enough to play some guitar on it. You know, it was a little cringy asking him to cover his own song or play on a cover of his own song, but he was super cool about it. And it was just fun you know, being in the studio doing a song for a change, like just sitting there with him in the studio, like coming up with guitar parts for, for an arrangement of something that was pretty whacked out compared to the, compared to the original. So that was, it's always fun making music together. Great to be doing it on something like this. So, but I was so overwhelmed by the support and the willingness of everyone involved, be it family who was kind of contractually obliged, maybe, I don't know. Um, but also amazing music. Her dad's a, a, a drummer and a percussionist. He played vibes on it and her brother's a world-class oboist and English horn player. So I wrote this little arrangement in the intro for him to play and he tracked that out in Connecticut. Her dad recorded at home. I was in James's studio recording him. I went over to Bob Reynolds' place and got Bob involved. You know, we've, we've both known Bob. Like Bob is the god. Bob and his wife are godparents to our daughter. Like we're talking about some very close, um, close friends as well as as well as uh, close musical friends. Um, and then Amber Navarin, who's one of Chelsea's best friends, the singer and saxophone player from the band Moonchild, did these amazing harmonies. And really, at the last minute, she was leaving on the road. So it's just an unbelievable, uh, you know, coming together of friends in support of this wonderful woman that I'm proud to call my wife, and in support of the cause of of giving her this this amazing gift. Um, and there were tears. I played it for her, and it was it was very successful in terms of that. It was very emotional, and it was 
it was touch. It was all the things I wanted it to be for her, like to, for, to have that experience and to sort of encapsulate this this really important moment in our life, in, in our lives rather, of getting engaged with the video, and then of course celebrating, you know, four years of marriage and just the fact that we we did that. We went and got married, and and we have all these amazing people in our in our lives. My best friend Antonio played nylon string. I mean, uh, Jacob Mann, the ridiculous piano player, keyboard player. You probably heard him with bands like Noah. And if you haven't heard his own band, unbelievable. Go check out Jacob Mann, big band. I'll put links to literally everything I can find uh, from these unbelievable musicians in uh, in the description of the video if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, well worth going and listening to what these what these people can do. Um, my, my great friend for almost 25 years Jonah Smith was was gracious enough to sing lead vocals on it I was going to do it as an instrumental at first I mean we should probably get into the challenges I faced like do, really doing something like this for the first time on this kind of scale like I've recorded a couple of cover songs before but with you know with a band and not with you know 20 people involved um so this was quite a challenge like that and originally like i said it was going to be an instrumental and i was like oh man i'm kind of hearing the vocal now and i was hearing a male vocal and let's call jonah and amazingly he like knocked it i called him one day and within 24 hours the vocal was done as you hear it just amazing and the fact that it's a video you know it's not just a song i'm not just asking people i wasn't just asking people to record a part and send me an mp3 or wave file I, I also had to ask them hey can you shoot a video and certain people can you do it vertical certain people can you do it horizontal you know in terms of the video editing that's a whole other thing to get people not only to play this amazing music but then to also go back and like sort of mime to their part and have this video element because that's the thing that's the presentation that chelsea saw you know that that made it so much more impactful so again just overwhelmed by everyone's willingness and 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 graciousness to participate um so yeah we had amber singing backgrounds we have my great friend lizzie loeb um daughter of chuck loeb who i toured with for many years also singing bvs um how am i i'm not gonna i'm determined not to forget anyone of course cliff armand and tom corley my trio um, we, we tracked the basic rhythm section tracks in Argentina when we were doing my album. And Juan Pablo Alcaro did a quick mix. I mean, it was really quick as well. It's it's by no means a finished song. Like if I was putting that on an album, we could probably work another two weeks on it. And just the way in which people had to do it really quickly and in varying degrees of fidelity in terms of the in terms of the audio. Some people didn't have access to studios, or it was it was just not musically i guess how i would have done it as a producer if i just had everyone there in the studio so there were all of these variables which were totally new to me and then juan paulo Juan slapped this kind of crushingly great mix together considering everything um was so sort of rushed and and, and done on a very accelerated timeline um and yeah and it just a really fun project at the end of the day and I, th- I think what made it more fun was that it had significant meaning and that I knew who was going to see it. And initially I was like, oh, I'm going to keep this as a private thing. And I made a little unlisted YouTube video of it and sent it to everyone involved and just say, hey, thanks. I really appreciate this. And hey, and this is how it turned out. Um, and then Chelsea was like, oh, my God, you should, you should put this on the record. Or you, should, you should release this somehow. And I was like, oh, OK, shit. I uh, hadn't thought about that. Um, so the last few days I've been thinking how to do it. And I was like, well, let me tell the story about it. It'll, 
it'll be, make for an episode of the podcast, which is a little different. Um, it it means something not just personally because that's my wife and those are all our friends, uh, but it means something musically as well. So I can definitely talk about that today and some of the challenges that I faced doing it that were quite interesting and some some things I hadn't considered before that would be an option or an issue or or a challenge. Um, and so, yeah, so I ended up, you know, shooting a little intro to it just to give it some context and, and uploading it at the same time as this podcast. So you can go check out the full thing. You can see what turned into the, uh, the most epic proposal I could possibly have, have, uh, have been a part of. Um, again, thanks to the unbelievable kindness of James and Adam and, the, and, and those guys for making it happen and all the other people that you don't know and you don't, you don't know as being associated with that band. Like there are so many of beautiful people behind the scenes um that are there every minute uh, and every second of every tour making that happen and I, I've, I've opened for those guys before so i've been around them a lot like weeks and weeks on end like dozens of shows on the road and seeing the machine from the inside and sometimes the not so glamorous in fact a lot of the time the not so glamorous side of it all and getting to know those people that really make it a well-oiled machine and i'm not going to name names because those are private people and it's, it's best that they, they, they stay that way, I think, and they like to be private and be behind the scenes and they're very effective in that sense. But there is uh, uh, there are a lot of incredibly kind people that surround... Um, I'm sure that there are many people like that in, in many different camps. I've heard that John Mayer has beautiful people around him. I've heard a lot of great stories from great bands. I just happen to know those guys uh, better than, you know, than, than any of those other artists. And I've been around them so I can speak to that uh, personally from, from experience. And just, it, it really is amazing the amount of care and detail that those people behind the scenes put into it and how uh, integral a part of making that proposal happen they were. It wasn't just James and Adam, uh, yeah, let's do it. Well, you know, there are other <laughs> other considerations that go into that. As you'll, as you'll see if you watch it, um, you know, Adam forgot. We, 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 we kind of planned it, like exactly where I was walking from and the whole choreography. And I think because it changed like three or four times, in the dressing room before right before they went on stage maybe that's why he forgot where i was coming from but as you can see i come from the back of the stage and he's looking out front expecting me to come from the front and he's like holy shit dude security guard almost fucking killed you coming from back there you know so it's it's a big machine and there are a lot of eyes and a lot of people in the shadows that you don't really realize are there that that help make it safe for everyone which is cool and and just yeah they they make it run super super smoothly um so yes yeah, some of the some of the challenges actually some of the things i hadn't considered that much um like i knew my brother-in-law was a, an incredible musician um quite how great and i've seen him live and we we talk about music and like we know each other now quite some years and but it's when you get i think it's when you get up close and personal in a musical sense and you have an isolated track there where you can hear like the person's soul coming out of their instrument there's like I, you know as a producer as the producer of the song i have access to all the individual parts so i can just solo a part and hear every single detail of what's going on and that really really knocked me out and i wish it could have been a bigger feature the english horn part of it and i wrote for like three english horns and one oboe He's, I think he's primarily an oboist. 
um, but plays an unbelievable English horn. And that just made me think a lot like, whoa, this is a nice option to have. Like I now know an English horn player who's amazing, who I can hire for things and and write for as well. So that made me just yet another thing that I uncovered and a layer that I peeled back and realized I'm missing out on something by uh, by not using that instrument. And I think it's a very underutilized instrument. At least it has been in my orbit. I've n- uh, I was about to say I've never written for one. I don't think I have written for English horn before. I've written for oboe very minimally, like maybe 20 bars or something for for some some woodwind section or something, but never the English horn. Bassoon, uh, bass clarinet, all the saxophones, uh, well, all of them. Tenor, alto, soprano, baritone for sure. Uh, but yeah, never the English horn. Really fun. Very, uh, very happy we we were able to hook that up, and you're here if you if you check it out. You're here. It's a it's a beautiful sound. Um, so that's a, another another color in my sort of producer's hat or writer's or my writer's palette, shall we say? Um, that was quite unexpected, and I just knew of obviously like her brother is her brother <laughs> an amazing musician. So no brainer. I want to wanted to include him, and I was sort of scratching my head like, how am I going to do this? And I was thinking too, like classical, you know, and he plays saxophones and he's played music besides classical music a lot in his life. So he has though he has those sensibilities. And I think I was like overthinking, like, ah, how am I going to squeeze this thing in? And it, 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 I didn't have to squeeze anything in. I just had to write good music and, and let the amazing musician do his thing. So that was that was cool um, in terms of BVs working with uh, Lizzie and with Amber. Super cool. Two completely different but very beautiful approaches. And uh, it, it was another thing where I like, man, I wish I had a day in the studio with each of these musicians or or both of them together. Just because you get it when something's rushed like this, you get a little taste of how great they are. And I already know how great they are from from, from many years of knowing Lizzie and now some quite some years of listening to Amber and, and knowing her as a friend. Uh, but you, when you work on a project like this, you get that very, you get a glimpse of how specific they can be for a song. And you just want to draw so much more of that out of them. And make the most of their of their talents uh, for, for for the production. So yeah, if I, I could have a do over, my one stipulation was would be that I I, I would want to spend time with all of those people face to face in the studio, just talking and working on it together, rather than like sending an idea and then getting a thing back and really not having any time for revisions or or additions or anything. So. It's probably the only thing I'd do differently with this, with this project, um, and then balancing the keyboards with the acoustic piano we'd already um, recorded, and Jacob's got an amazing range of sounds and was also super fast. Really got me a, like seven or eight tracks, different ideas. I think I used all but one because it was just getting so thick. I was like, "There's no way I have space for synth number seven on this." But so many of his ideas were super hip. I wanted to use as much as possible. And I said to him, "Hey, man, it's like a, I think it might be a fade out at the end. Um, there are like four extra choruses of comping. Just rip a solo, you know, go for it, go nuts, and we'll probably fade out, you know, after eight bars or something." 
And then I got the solo back. I was like, well, this isn't a fade out. This is going all the way to the very last note because what he played was fantastic. And then you see me and James fucking around <laughs> to close out the video. Um, but yeah, very interesting process. My video editing skills not fantastic for this at all. Um, you know, it's not anywhere close to like the Jacob Colliers or the people who do basically do that for a living <laughs> or did that for so long that that's what sort of made them and put them on the map. Um, and also I wasn't really going for that either. It was just how to get these people on the screen to show Chelsea. It was really such a personal thing. I think that's what I liked about it is I wasn't making this for YouTube. Uh, sorry, coffee drinkers and podcast listeners and everyone who follows me and our fans. I really wasn't making this for you guys. Um, and that's not to say that the stuff I make for you isn't special. It just, uh, now I've found out, it just comes with a slightly different uh, context and a slightly different focus, shall we say. Uh, and it, the focus when I make stuff for you guys and when I make stuff for, for fans, followers, for the public is always about do I like this? Am I doing this because I truly love it? And as soon as I think, as soon as those ideas start to creep in, like, oh, well, maybe if I do this, then the audience will like it more, or, oh, but people, that's that's the hip thing people are doing right now. As soon as that creeps in, I've lost, and I have to sort of scrap the idea and, and go back to the beginning. So when I make things for you guys, it's really about making it for me because I love it so much that there's maybe a chance someone else will connect to that uh, that sort of willpower and love that has gone into creating it. And with this, it was like, I'm doing this for my wife and I love her and th this is what I want to say to her. And this, like I said, this is like the love letter. This is like, this is what you mean to me. This is, th this is how important our lives together are. And this is the best way I can... Um, I can convey that. Um, and maybe this is the most meaningful way I can convey that really to one person. So it's very different. I'm intrigued to see uh, what the public response is to it now um, that I've put it out on YouTube. And I'm sure you guys and girls will chime in and let me know at some point. Uh, not that that matters, but I am, it is a curious, like I alluded to earlier on about not being happy about certain things I'm doing musically and with my career and in my life right now, um, that, that is a consideration. Like, like what happens when I put stuff like that out? And it's not like I'm about to change my career into, oh, I'm just going to go make covers right now. Like there are plenty of people who do that already. And I, fuck, I can't stand most of them, to be honest. I'm like, Christ, you guys are great musicians. Write a fucking song already. You know, like, do something original, please. Like, what, what is so scary or hard about that? You know, like, you've got all of this ability and I hate the word talent, actually, but you've got all of this, uh, this musical know-how happening. And uh, you choose basically to exclusively play other people's music. I've never really understood that. So I'm not about to do that. That's for sure. I'm not about to go turn my channel into a cover cover band, basically. Um, but I also, at the same time, can't deny that it was super fun to do. Um, and there are songs I love. There's, like, there's no getting away from that. I've spent my entire life listening to music 
long before I was uh, uh, ever well, long before I ever knew what a musician was, or definitely long before I ever wanted to be one. Um, and that that's uh, that's uh, that's hard to ignore because um, there are so many like a song will come on or, or I'll create these playlists. I've talked about them before, like these practice sets where it's just songs, pop songs, rock, rock tunes, all kinds of different songs that I'll just put 15 or 20 of them in a playlist and play along to them, having never played them before. So it's like ear training and stamina training and just the ability to play music that I don't normally play. And I love it. It's really good fun. You know, I'm not saying I want to be in a wedding band necessarily and, and just play top 40 all the time. I don't think that would be, that's not my, uh, that's not my, my, my vibe. Um, I know for some people it's also not their vibe, but it's essential. So I'm not I'm not shitting on on being in a wedding band. And I know for some people it really is their vibe, um, which is great that they that they find that. But you know, even though that's not the thing I want to do all the time, it's something that's hard to ignore. Um, that I'm just a fan of songs, um, and it was interesting, like. As you'll hear from the harmony, it's not really that conventional. And it, the one, when I sent the demo to James, he was like, "Holy shit, those chords!" I was like, "Yeah, I, you know, I got away, got away from the from the original narrative by a long way. Like the GPS broke down, and I just kept driving. Basically, um, it's not to the point where it's like atonal and unlistenable. I hope I kept it somewhat like, oh man, this is actually interesting. You know, I serve the melody. That's how I do these." Whenever I arrange or reharm something, obviously not normally a pop tune, uh, but whenever I do something like that with reharmonization, it's really about serving the melody, or rather reserving the melody. It got it got the first treatment from James, who wrote a song, and Adam, and I forget if there are any other songwriters on there, but I know it was James and Adam at least. It got the original treatment, and it got the chords, and it made this huge international smash global hit for the last 20 years that... Uh, Maybe Tom Corley, maybe my piano player is the only person I've ever met that hadn't heard the song. Like we're in the studio and he's like, oh, I don't know this song. You know, I don't really know the band. <laughs> That's a real jazz musician, ladies and gentlemen. That's someone who's pretty focused on something very different and uh, not, and that's not a bad thing. And he played it beautifully as well. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting to, it's interesting to, it, well, it will be interesting if for some reason, that video gets a significantly more traction or views than other videos of mine. It will be an interesting exercise in restraint to not just go do that again. You know, very tempting. Like say it got like, I don't know. Um, well, for me, a hundred thousand views is fucking unbelievable. So say it got like a hundred thousand views um, as a video on my channel. And people are like, oh, yeah, man, this is great. Why don't you do more of this? It's a good exercise in uh, restraint to be like, well, that's actually not what I do. This was a thing, and this is why it was a thing for this moment, but that's not really what I do. Even though I maybe could and like grow the channel beyond recognition and, and do all those things. So that, that's sort of what's filtering through my brain right now. Obviously, eight, nine months ago, I you know, was very public about, no, it's longer than this now, November, December very public about leaving social media, which has been amazing, by the way. I should update you all on that. That's a much different subject uh, for another episode. But I'll do that maybe next week. Um, 
because it has been an incredible change in my life. But then lots of people, I was hanging out with uh, with Juan Alorete today. It was his 60th birthday. I was hanging out and uh, shooting the shit, talking bass, playing some basses at his studio. And um, yeah, it's like, I, he mentioned something about Instagram and this and that. And did you see that? I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm not on social media anymore. I don't see anything. I had no clue what he was talking about. And he was like, oh man, shit, how is that? You know, like, what he was asking me about the experience. So it sort of reminded me just today that um, that has been a big shift. And I very publicly said that. And I said, well, the place I'm going to be is YouTube. The one place I'm going to put stuff out on. And of course, the blog, Substack, to have the connection with the mailing list and like the real, the hardcore fans. And yeah, the, the channel has grown. It's grown maybe another. I want to say like 12% in nine months, but that's not really exponential growth. And it's not the sort of growth that turns into ticket sales. It's not the sort of growth on YouTube that turns into the sort of things I want to do, uh, which basically is write, record, and play music. That's it. If I could do those three things and make a living, I've been talking about that more recently. It would be amazing. I don't think it's an option to do that exclusively right now. But it is something I'm rethinking the whole approach to what I do on a daily basis in order to make that a reality and what I'm willing to sacrifice in the process. And certain things I, ca- I cannot sacrifice due to uh, commitments and responsibilities and having a family and just having all these other things going on in my life. So it's a kind of a big reshuffling, rebalancing, if only in the brain uh, right now for the past few weeks something I feel like I should share, talk to you guys about, let you know what's going on, Um, especially when the podcast, which was religiously coming out every Monday morning for so long, so consistently, just when I look at the mountain of work that it takes to finish the project that I'm truly passionate about, which is the new album, it's the thing that screams the loudest. And when the podcast doesn't scream the loudest, it's the thing that gets pushed back a little bit and the blog gets pushed back a little bit. Um. And then I was working on this beautiful project for Chelsea, which took up two whole weeks of basically nonstop around the clock work to get it done. I was so happy doing it. And it was such a blast. Like I said, it's not a lane I would choose to just sink my life into making covers, but just the process of writing and recording, mixing, editing, being around other musicians, working on parts, being a producer, you know, arranger, all of those things just made me immensely happy and inspired me to do more if not that of something you know and maybe it's hey maybe it's like taking my own advice when i think about people who like basically just do covers and have huge channels with millions of subscribers that are devoted to covers um and i say i think to myself like fuck man just write a song already you know like Stop covering whatever, whatever it is. There's tons of people out there that do that. Um, Maybe that's, I'm actually screaming at myself like, oh, I love that process of recording and being in the studio with a bunch of people like that, but let's do it with original music. And maybe that's working with singers. Like if vocalists came into mind, like working on this song, I was like, oh, I I like singers. (laughs) Might be one of the few bass players who does. I don't know, but I, I like songs and I like singers and I, I really like being in the studio work crafting and working on songs. And I miss my days of being in New York as a producer. And there was a lot of hip hop and R&B, but 
There was also a lot of gospel and soul and pop and even rock stuff, you know, writing and crafting and playing songs. I miss that a lot. It'd be nice to bring, I know that brought me a lot of happiness back then. It'd be nice to bring some aspect of that back into my life now. And and hopefully that will be impactful enough of a story and compelling enough as a as a product or I don't know, as a piece of art continually uh, sort of growing library of music for people to follow the story and follow the journey um, so far so good with a new album it, it's you know people are coming along for the ride of course the, the pre-sale the, is, is still going on it's linked below um, had some interesting comments about that on recent videos I sort of did a video on the main channel sort of running down the ins and outs of it and got a few disgruntled I guess non-customers if they thought it was too expensive, but the price point of $25 for the pre-sale of the album and, you know, wishing that there was a, I think the comment was an everyman price or something of $10. I'm like, well, at some point you have to draw the line. some point you have to value your art and some point you have to value yourself. And I think when you undervalue yourself, um, and this isn't even from like, this is not a marketing ploy, but when you undervalue yourself, the perception of what you do becomes weaker as well. Um, and when you put an appropriate, what I you know consider to be an appropriate value to what I'm doing, I know it's not for everyone and I don't pretend that it ever will be. Um, but I'm also not trying to please everyone either. Um, and I am trying to sleep at night and be okay with the p- price I put on my product, my art. And uh, so far, so good. If we're sort of 99 point something percent uh, positive feedback, which is amazing from you guys. And it's, I, I, I've said it before, I will say it again, and I will continue to do this every time I, I do a project. I am so happy I gave myself more time after the initial tracking process in the studio with, with the trio to do all the other pieces. Like it's to the point like the album is going to come out October 17th and we have given ourselves a serious amount of time to mix it. And I think it is going to reflect that in the, in the product. I think it's going to sound better than any of my records before. Um, just cause we took the time, you know, and then with the documentary, I'm even thinking about pushing that back, a month after the release of the album because I would really like to include something about the live shows with the same band that was in the studio. I think that would be sort of compelling, more a, a more compelling arc to the story to see, you know, well, Tom and Cliff meeting for the first time ever, first of all, let alone playing for the first time and us all playing together as a, as a trio in the studio and on, on the one gig we played in South America and then making the album, the album coming out, you guys having a chance to check it out and then having this element of us going to Europe and playing a few shows together as a band. It kind of feels like a better arc and like I might get a better quality narrative out of it especially if like I have something pictured in my mind of, of where I want to film a, a master shot, just a, a single shot, maybe with multiple cameras, but just me in a room sort of being interviewed to create the narrative for the documentary, which would mean having experienced all the things. So I can't edit it and get it ready now because I haven't experienced the next six to eight weeks of stuff that's going to happen with this music. So 
Last time, I think I put the documentary and the album out at exactly the same time. Uh, this time, I think I might stagger it by four weeks, maybe. Because we're going to be done by the 8th of November, so I could get my last footage and then get that in the edit and have give myself like 10 days, 10, 12 days, so sort of middle of November to put the documentary out. So it's all little things like that, little details about not being pressured by, oh, I have to have it out on this date. Everything must happen together. Like I've promised all these people all these things. Yeah, I have. I've promised you guys, everyone on the pre-sale, a bunch of things. And all the things I promise will come out on that day. But the documentary, I think, may benefit from a few weeks delay in order to pick up a little more in the narrative and just be a better watch for you guys and more compelling and uh, and something you might consider sharing with other people. And that was. I'll close with this, actually. I probably should have opened with it. <laughs> I'll close with this for today. Maybe you can give me your feedback and we'll talk more about it in the future. I was just thinking about... Uh, this podcast channel on YouTube, for instance, has, I don't know, thirteen or 1,400 subscribers. Not an insignificant number of people. If that many people showed up at my house, I'd be, I, what the fuck is going on here? It'd be insane, right? If 30 people showed up at my house, if 1,400 people showed up at a gig, it would be the best attended gig I'd ever played as an artist. So it's not an insignificant number of people. Yes, it's diluted because everyone's all over the world and the, all of you, kind folk of the base world are not listening from one place or about to come to a show in one place but i was thinking about i get way more joy out of the long form stuff and making the podcast and stuff like that rather than the 10 to 15 minute video that takes a week or 10 days to produce and sound effects and sound design and soundtrack and scripting and b-roll and all of this other stuff which is kind of crazy on the main channel i was actually thinking what if the podcast channel sort of overtook everything else. And how could we do that? How could we get it? Because this 1,400 people, 1,300 people, whatever it is that are subscribed to this channel on YouTube is not an insignificant amount, but it's a tiny fraction of the base community, right? And of people that may be interested in listening to some of the things I have to talk about when I'm doing the shows on my own. And in the future, by growing the channel, maybe it's possible to have someone else as a co-host um not necessarily just do one-off interviews with people but have someone maybe in la maybe it's someone like a tim lefebvre or a chris Cheney, someone someone great someone interesting that could be a co-host on the podcast i don't know these are things that are ideas that are, are jumping around my head but how to facilitate that and i was thinking okay there's some like standard math thing that if uh, before i even say this i know this is not a not going to happen and b is is kind of impossible but some version of it even a much smaller version of this would definitely help that and would help me um would help me be able to create a much better podcast more compelling bring you guys tons more information in a higher quality package i think and just help the overall thing of, you know, I'm not necessarily looking to turn the podcast into a source of uh, any significant income, but when it helps sell concert tickets and raise awareness to projects that are going on that are making money in other places, I think that's that's a huge thing. That's what all the comedians do. Even though a lot of the comedians are making $50,000 in an ad read, uh, some of these huge podcasts, Rogan is out of control with hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank as a result of a podcast. This is, this is not that. But what all of those podcasts do in the comedy world is they sell tickets 
They sell tickets to shows and they make it possible for each of those comedians to continue leaving the house and going to do what they love and entertaining audiences. So on on some small level, I would like the podcast to really be that uh, for the live performance and for the recording side of my life. And to that end, if everyone listens, say this podcast gets a thousand views, a thousand people listen to this or watch this podcast on YouTube when it comes out, um, which is not unreasonable. The podcast gets, you know, <laughs> okay, last week, the watch episode, total flop, was the worst performing episode uh, in the history of the podcast, perhaps. Just nobody wanted to know about watches. I totally overestimated the amount of people that had actually reached out and said, hey, do a watch podcast. But anyway, I did one episode. There it is. Super fun to do. Um, but let's say a thousand people in the first week listen to this episode. If every one of those thousand people, every one of you listening right now, forwarded this to a friend, another bass player, don't spam anyone. Like someone who you legitimately, who you think will legitimately get something out of, not this episode, but any episode of the podcast. If you could forward that to one person, that's that. of course, I know that number is never going to happen 100%. But it would significantly increase the reach of of what I'm trying to do here. And that would be that'd be pretty huge. And if we could continue like that, it's something like what is it? It's only like ten weeks or something before you hit like again, I'm realistic about it. It's never gonna be a million subscribers. But if that happened every week at a hundred percent, it would only be a very short time, it seems, before it hit like a million subscribers. I'm not looking for a million. Um just looking to expand i think into the heart of the bass community at the end of the day and people who are of course other aspects of the music industry as well i'm not just playing for bass players but why not start in the bass niche just that's what i'm known for and it would start opening some doors i think in terms of being able to book shows on my own maybe without the need for promoters and clubs and just bring this thing that i do out into the world and do it for real in real life I-R-L, as the kids say. Because um, that's basically all I want to do, and that's what makes me the most happy. So on that note, give it a go. If you think there's one person you know, if there's more than one person, amazing. Don't spam them, please. Uh, but if you think there's one person that you could send an episode of this podcast to that you think, ah, I think they'd get something out of this and encourage them to subscribe, that would be huge. Again, I'm not asking for money. <laughs> I'm not trying to turn this into some significant source of income. But turning it into a platform on which to, uh, with which to connect with people who generally would dig being out there at a show. Pretty cool if we can make that happen. All right, that's it. More album updates. Um, the single will, before I know it, the first single will be coming out. So I got to be back to work on that. It's literally as soon as I like, press stop on the camera right now and um yeah appreciate you listening this far uh pre-sale is below as are all the links to the tour dates all of the shows are on clinics also are on sale right now linked in the description of this video or in the show notes wherever you're listening to the podcast appreciate you being around love you guys see you next time 